for all things land development, planning and property. This is Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. To find out how Ian can help you, visit propertyonfire.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Property on Fire. Before we dive into the actual episode itself, I thought it might be a good idea to let you know who I am, what floats my boat and more importantly what makes my blood pump. This podcast will highlight the good, bad and downright ugly aspects of my journey. I'm not afraid to tell you my mistakes so that maybe you can avoid making the same ones. What I'm not going to do in any episode is to paint a picture with rose-tinted glasses and pretend that life is always perfect. It is not. It does often feel that at times you take two steps forward and one step back. If that sounds a bit like times in your life, Come with me on this journey. I've been married to Cheryl for 11 years and have two great kids, Bethany and James, both of whom have now flown the nest and making their own way in life. But as a dad, you're always there on the end of a phone, or these days it seems to be more likely Messenger and WhatsApp, and that can be 24-7 it seems. I've had the pleasure to meet many wonderful people in property over the years. Many great and genuine people, but sadly a few sharks. And I will leave those for another episode, so keep tuning in. If I have met you in person during my journey, then a big hello. If I've not yet had the pleasure to meet you, then I look forward to meeting you in person before too long. As I often say, if I can help you in your journey in any way, then simply get in touch. Helping others gives me a great satisfaction. So where did this all start? I'm a third generation developer. My grandfather purchased some land a hundred years ago, almost to the day, in what is now Basildon, Essex, and then proceeded to build one of the first estates there. These were all bungalows. A few still exist today. It is a bit ironic that Jonathan, my business partner, and I have just exchanged on a site to build 14 bungalows 100 years later, but this time in North Devon. I wonder whether any of these new bungalows will still exist in 100 years' time. I can only but wonder. But my grandfather was not just a builder. He was also a funeral director and coffee manufacturer. And in those days, it was very common for the person that made the coffins to also be the local builder. My father then took over the business and with him I helped build a large block of offices and shops in Rayleigh, Essex, as well as a family home. I was then the third generation funeral director managing branches in West London. We were also the Royal Funeral Directors and I was part of an 18-man disaster team on call 24-7-365 to respond to disasters globally. If you're old enough to remember, I was involved in Zeebrugge, the Marchioness disaster and the Lockerbie disaster up in Scotland. So I was a busy chap, but property was still in my blood. I had my first buy to let when I was just 18, back in the late 1980s, probably before you were born. In those days, estate agents refused to handle lettings and one needed to use a specialist firm to handle it how times have changed. My business career started to take me off in a new direction when I left the family business and I moved into IT, computer programming, and then computer support. It was at this time 
I worked for a lot of travel agencies as part of a large Dell contract, and so my love for travel was formed. More recently, this has turned into Travel Geek, and quite often, whenever I'm online or in person, people often comment and ask whether I am actually been away in the last week, as it seems I'm often away. Around seven years ago, my journey came full circle and I found myself full-time once more in property. This started by renovating the house that Cheryl, my wonderful wife, and I owned in Essex. Then from the proceeds, we purchased another probate property in Kent. This was gutted and then put back together and finished to a very high standard, which smashed the ceiling price in the area. It seemed to add £25,000 at least to every property almost overnight. We then decided we had had a bit of enough of the UK and spent that winter in the Algarve. On our return in the spring, we purchased another probate property, but this time in Lancashire. Once again, this was finished to a very high standard, a standard that I continue with today in all my developments. Once that had sold, we relocated once more, but this time to the southwest, where I flipped properties to auctions and got myself educated. I'm a firm believer in education. I had to learn my trade so that I could expand far and wide. As age was not on my side, that involved throwing myself in at the deep end. I got myself two very successful mentors and took various courses. Not all of these were good. Some were a complete failure and a waste of money. Whether that was a lack of action on my part or poor tutors, I'm not sure. May you be a bit of both. But unless you take action, you will just become a coarse junkie and will just tread water. It was a lesson I had to learn. Thanks to my mentors, I started to gain confidence. I set up Planning Geek in 2017 as it was a clear that a lot of the information on the interwebby was rather out of date and not very good. Even then, I used to listen to event webinars, or sales pitches as it seemed, and got annoyed when inaccurate information was given. It was very important to me that I could look at any building or any piece of land and instantly be able to tell what I could do with it, and therefore Planning Geek was born. Information which is wrong can cost the listeners an awful lot of money, and these webinars were just plain wrong, or some of them were, if their advice was followed. Planning Geek is now well over 200 pages packed with information and expanding almost daily. The site attracts 10 times the daily visitors that it did just six months ago, so I must be doing something right. Recently, I launched a Facebook group which has around 2,000 people in it. Please feel free to visit planninggeek.co.uk slash group and join us over there in that group. In 2018, I purchased my first large site thanks to one of my several investors and the guidance from another couple of mentors. I will always be grateful to all three for giving me a chance. This is currently a 26-flat development with further dwellings in planning. I will go in further into this site in a future episode. Whilst on the road and speaking, I met my now business partner, Jonathan Stobbs, and I brought him into my company, Leading Homes. He is a chief financial officer and handles all the numbers. He tries to keep me away from numbers, as being a bit dyslexic with the numbers, I have a habit of getting them in the wrong order, which can be fatal with any site. In any event, he loves spreadsheets. A good partnership is where you have respect and can share tasks without getting under each other's feet. 
He's slowly learning to accept my jokes, although I feel it might be another few years for him to finally get there. We are going from strength to strength and have just exchanged on the 14 bungalow development that I mentioned earlier. And I will, again with that one, be talking about that in several future episodes and actually take you along on that journey as we build those out. Of course, without our investors, none of this would be possible. They always come first and seeing them make money gives us the right buzz and gets us up in the mornings. So thank you to each and every one of you. You know who you are. We are growing fast and are in legals on a 20 million GDV site in Cornwall and other sites just outside Bristol. Some of these sites are long term and involve options and similar agreements, which I will cover in a future episode and explain. These are part of our land company brand before being developed as applicable under leading homes. Well, this is a whistle-stop tour of my last 40-odd years, and I will cover some of the good and bad times in future episodes. If you think that I will just tell you all the good points and paint that rosy picture, then I'm afraid you are wrong. I now mentor my own clients, and I see little point in giving them the false hope that life will now be perfect, and in three years they will be driving a Lamborghini or similar car and have loads of money in the bank. It might happen... But there are always peaks and troughs, and I have to help them through the good and the bad times. So come with me on this journey, like, review, and most importantly, subscribe via your favourite podcast app. You and I are in for a great ride. So what else do we have coming up on today's episode? As usual, several of you have been emailing in your questions, and this episode is no exception. We have questions from Sasha, who's asking about Class E and also from Mohammed, who asks us about minimum space standards. Our first question is from Sasha Mills, who has emailed ian at propertyonfire.co.uk. She asks, Can you please explain what is in use class E, as I have got a bit confused? Not a problem, Sasha, and thanks very much for asking the question this week. Before I answer your question directly, I thought it's worth mentioning what is actually in both the old use class order and also the revisions. So the old use classes were use class A, businesses which serve people, use class B, businesses which supply or support others, use class C is locations where people sleep, use class D is where they don't sleep, and everything else was in sui generis. Now, in September of 2020, the government made a few alterations. We've kept part of use class B. Use class A is gone. Uh, use class C, where people are sleeping, so that's, that's your residential, HMOs, etc. That's unchanged. And then we have use class E, which you asked about, And then we've got use class F1, use class F2, and sui generis. So what is actually in use class E? This brings together shops, which were formerly A1, banks, which were A2, estate agents, also A2, restaurants and cafes, they were both A3, offices, which were B1A, research and development, which is B1B, light industrial, 
which is B1C. Doctors, clinics and health centres, they were all D1. Creches, day nurseries and day centres, they were also D1. And finally, gymnasiums, indoor sports and recreation. So all of those are now in use class E. So what is so good, Sasha, about use class E? Well, the government's first of all is called this commercial business and service. And importantly, you can interchange between any of these uses. This is not development. You can change as often as you like and even parts of the day. So this will give you multiple use opportunities. So for example, you might have a restaurant which isn't doing very well and you may decide to change that into a shop for example or vice versa you might have a light industrial unit and you may decide that that is better as a restaurant or a cafe the doctors may well have moved out from their old surgery now you can change those to a shop a restaurant cafe or even offices whatever you like um as the world is rapidly altering and we're finding some offices are no longer required, instead of converting those all to residential, say under Class O, you might want to change it to a restaurant or cafe. May uh, be hot desking with a cafe and then in the evening a restaurant. All this is quite possible under use Class E. Because it's not development, you do not need to inform the local authority you can just go ahead and make the change. However, it is worth pointing out that if any of your works involve any external alterations, for example, a new shop front or bricking up the shop front, etc., this will probably require planning permission. Or if you're going to open a restaurant, an external flue will also require planning permission. So just be aware of those requirements. I hope that answered your question, Sasha. But just to recap, Use Class E now includes all of the following. Shops, banks, estate agents, restaurants, cafes, offices, research and development, light industrial, doctors, clinics, health centres, creches, day nurseries, day centres, gymnasiums, indoor sports and recreation. Phew. And as mentioned earlier, you can interchange between any of these uses as this is not development. Mohammed has also emailed Ian at Property on Fire and he asks, is permitted development dead now that you have to stick to minimum space standards? A similar question has also come in from Max Matheru, I hope I've said your surname correctly, asking why I do not mention anything about the now mandatory space standards and also asks about the new criteria to daylight and could I shed some light on this? I'm sure no pun was intended there. Thanks, Mohammed, and also to Max. Right, a month or so ago, Robert Jenrick, who is the Secretary of State for the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government, or MHCLG for short, announced that he was going to introduce minimum space standards for all permitted development. However, the critical words here is going to. As of the date of this recording, he has not yet introduced these minimum space standards and therefore they do not apply. So you do not have to do them. You don't have to stick to them. 
If you wish to go above and beyond that, then great, do uh, that. But there is no obligation under legislation as it stands for you to do that as, as of the recording of this episode. So when is it going to come in? When, when it was first introduced, I thought between two and nine months. Now, the nine months would take us round to July of 21, which is when the new GPDO will come out. And that's when the whole permitted development rights will all get rewritten. As time moves closer to July, I'm thinking that it will not come in prior to that. Yes, we have the requirement for floor plans now and also the new requirement for daylight into habitable rooms. They have both come in during 2020, but as of today's date, the minimum space standards has not. So we can ignore that for now. I probably get an email every single week, at least one, asking me about this. So it does cause an awful lot of confusion. So your second part of your other question, Max, was about daylight to habitable rooms. This is now a requirement and you will need to prove that all habitable rooms have daylight. As far as the prior approval is concerned, a habitable room is things like bedrooms and living areas and dining areas. It does not refer to standalone kitchen areas, but if you've got a kitchen diner, that will require natural light to it. If you do not have the necessary windows in the building which you are trying to convert to residential, then you are going to have to put in what we call an externals application. This is a full planning application for new windows and doors that may be required. Once you've actually got this permission, you can then put in the internal application to convert that from the previous use to residential but you will need those windows in the first place. If you try and put the application in before you actually have the windows there, you'll probably find that it will get refused. And the other item that came in during 2020, as I briefly mentioned earlier, is the requirement for floor plans for every prior approval permitted development that you may do going to residential. This is now a requirement and you will need to supply these to the local authority. There is, however, one change of use that does not require natural daylight habitable rooms, nor does it require floor plans, and that is Class G. Class G is for the creation of up to two flats in the ancillary space above shops, which were A1, financial or professional establishments, which are A2, betting offices or payday loaner shops, which are both sui generis. This can be done anywhere within England. So it can be done in conservation areas, national parks, listed buildings, etc. But obviously for listed buildings, you are going to need listing building consent. You do not need to apply to the local authority for prior approval, nor do do you have to consult them in any way. The only requirement is you will require building regs. But the important factor, as I mentioned earlier, it must be created, those flats must be created in the ancillary area above the A1 shops, above the bank, etc. 
and Siri means that the space above was used for the benefit and for the shop below. So for example, it might have been offices that were used by the bank below. It could be storage or it could be part of the shop itself. All of those you can convert up to two flats and enjoy the fact that you do not at this point have to have floor plans or natural light to those habitable rooms. My suspicion, however, come July 21, when the new GPDO is released, this may change. So if you're planning on using Class G, I'd probably go ahead and do that as soon as possible. Mohammed and Max, I hope that's answered your questions. But if you've got any other questions, please feel free to come back to me at ian at propertyonfire.co.uk. So what's coming up on future episodes of Property on Fire? I've got several other questions that have been emailed in. And if you've got any questions on property, on development, on HMOs, on anything at all to do with property, please feel free to email me at ian at propertyonfire.co.uk and I would be pleased to answer all your questions. I've also got several very, very interesting guests lined up. And again, if you would like to be on a future episode as a guest, if you specialize in something, please do get in touch. And finally, I will very soon be launching my Ian's A to Z of property. This will go through all 26 letters of the alphabet with a different subject every week. So don't forget to subscribe via your favorite podcast app so you do not miss a single episode. Thanks once again to Sasha, Mohammed, and Max for your questions this week. And I look forward to seeing you on a future episode. Take care. And if I can help you in your journey, please do get in touch. Property on Fire with Ian Walmsley. Please use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe to the show. And if you'd like a question answered on a future episode, email ian at propertyonfire.co.uk.